Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Kabayavaham Savatrasya Yatomrityor Machyanam Udakejata I do not wish to accept a material body, for such a body is the source of all distress, lamentation, and fear everywhere in the universe, just as it is for a fish in the water which always lives in anxiety because of fear of death. Purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. The material body, whether in the higher or lower planetary system, is destined to die. In the lower planetary system or lower species of life, one may die soon. And in the higher planets or higher species, one may live for a long, long time. But death is inevitable. This fact should be understood. In the human form of life, one should take the opportunity to put an end to birth, death, old age, and disease by performing tapasya. This is the aim of human civilization, to stop the repetition of birth and death, which is called mrityu samsara varathmani. This can be done only when one is Krishna conscious or has achieved the service of the lotus feet of the Lord. Otherwise, one must rot in this material world and accept a material body subject to birth, death, old age, and disease. The example given here is that water is a very nice place for a fish, but the fish is never free from anxiety about death, since big fish always are eager to eat the small fish. Palguni Tatra Mahatam. All living entities are eaten by bigger living entities. This is the way of material nature. Ahastani Sahastanam Avadani Chadushpadam Palguni Tatra Mahatam Jivo Jivasya Jivanam. Those who are devoid of hands are prey for those who have hands. Those who are devoid of legs are prey for the four-legged. The weak are substance, subsistence for, of the strong, and the general rule holds that one living being is food for another. The Supreme Personality of Godhead has created the material world in such a way that one living entity is food for another. Thus, there is a struggle for existence. But although we speak of survival of the fittest, no one can escape death without becoming a devotee of the Lord. Harim vina naiva sritim taranti. One cannot escape the cycle of birth and death without becoming a devotee. This is also confirmed in the Bhagavad Gita. 
अप्राप्य माम निवारतंते मृत्यु संसार वारतमानी one who does not attain shelter at the lotus feet of krishna must certainly wander up and down within the cycle of birth and death the example herein is given of a fish living in the water the water is the perfect place for the fish to reside Sometimes we use the example that in this material world we are like a fish out of water. <clears throat> When a fish is outside of the water, however many arrangements you offer the fish, the fish must be in great anxiety, in a state of great suffering. Because it is not as his natural place the fish whatever is given while laying in the sand will simply be longing for the water longing yearning to be back within the water because a fish cannot move in the sand he has no mobility therefore he can find no food not only that the fish outside of the water the sun burning sensation scorches its body and also there is no oxygen for the fish to assimilate outside of the water so therefore he is choking he's burning hot he can't move and he's starving that is the condition of a fish out of water but as soon as a fish is put into the water he's free he can go wherever he wants there's plenty food there's plenty oxygen it's like liberation for the fish but here in the bhagavatam it describes that even when the fish is in the most ideal situation where all his desires are fulfilled he's in the perfect atmosphere for enjoying he's still in total anxiety because although he has everything he wants he knows at any moment it could be taken away because some other fish is going to eat him therefore he's constantly in fear so this material world is like that However many arrangements we make to make the ideal perfect situation in life for ourselves where we have perfect mobility, nice food, nice family, nice home, nice reputation, nice health, everything we want just like a fish in water, we can go where we want, we have plenty of money, everything. Still, there's constant fear and anxiety because at any moment calamity can come upon us. the fish knows that outside of the water he simply suffers inside the water there's some sense of enjoyment but even within that realm of enjoyment there's danger at every step at any moment he is going to be devoured and therefore he's constantly looking here there and everywhere to make sure nobody is coming to eat him 
This is the great illusion of material light nature. Man is so crazy and foolish. Nunam pramata kurute vikarama yet indriya priti apnanoti. People who are attached to sense gratification are simply mad. They're crazy. They're insane. Because they do not know, although they are so-called enjoying, they're constantly in fear. Because to the degree you have nice arrangements to enjoy, to that degree you will be afraid that it will be taken away. Because it will be. That is why Prahlad said, if you want to be happy, stop trying to be happy. As long as you're trying to be happy in this place, you have to suffer because there's constant fear. In the, in the pursuit of happiness, man is making so many grand arrangements, working so hard just to create a nice atmosphere. But in that atmosphere, due to its temporary nature, there can be no security. To the extent, to the extreme of entering into the highest planet of Brahma-loka. Krishna tells us in the Gita, Abhrama-bhuvana-loka apunaravartunojana mamupetatukonteyapunarajanamanavidyate from the highest planet in this material world down to the lowest, they're all places of misery. Even if you spend thousands of lifetimes performing yajna, which is usually what it takes, of giving in charity, being extraordinarily pious, doing grand pujas for the devatas, you can enter into the highest planet of Brahma-loka, where it's the most wonderful of all atmospheres for enjoying in this world. But even there, there is fear. Even that is a place of misery where death must come to end everything. Srila Prabhupada told the story about the great yogi sage who was doing tapasya and received the darshan of Lord Brahma. And Lord Brahma gave him the benediction that you will live for millions of years, a whole day of Brahma, which is actually several billion years, for every hair on your body. And he had countless millions of hairs on his body. And yet he was simply living on the bank of the Ganges without a home, without a shelter. So someone asked him, why don't you build yourself a nice little hut or a cottage or a home or something to protect you from the rain and the sun and everything else? He says, why should I bother wasting my energy with such temporary arrangements when life is so short? He's speaking like this because he had wisdom. He understood from Brahma, even... Krishna says even Brahma's life is miserable because it's temporary, what to speak of ours.
What is the nature of our hundred years? In Kali Yuga, we may live 60, 70, perhaps 80 or 90 years. And you know if you live 60, 70, 80 or 90 years, beyond 60, you're simply suffering. At 90, you're totally invalid. In 80, you're practically totally invalid. In the 70s, you're just complete, you're just body is just aching and falling apart. Huh? Most of your life is, after 35, your life is downhill. Right, Abhimanu? Your body is just deteriorating, it's getting old, it's starting to have pains, arthritis, your vision is going away, your hair is turning gray, your teeth are loosening. And yet, that's usually about the time when a person who's successful starts actually succeeding in life. You work, you go to, Prahlad Maharaj explains, during your baby years, you're just crying half the time. Then when you're a little boy, you're just longing for this and longing for that. And the slightest thing, you start crying. One minute you're laughing, one minute you're crying. You've seen these little children. It's a horrible existence. Huh? Prahlad Maharaj explains in this way, it's simply wasting frivolous games and sports. And then you have to do your studies. Nobody likes to study. It's just an austerity. Why are you studying? Because your parents are putting so much incredible pressure on you that your future, your future, your future. And you spend the only really healthy years of your life, eight hours a day in school, huh? six to eight hours a day in school, and then another two, three hours studying. You spend practically your whole life either sleeping, eating, and studying just to prepare yourself for the future. And by the time the future comes, where you've gotten out of your studies, then you have to begin your career, which is a hard struggle for existence, to begin a career. You usually always start at the bottom, right? And by the time you reach the top, your hairs are gray, your teeth are loosening, you can't see properly, you're getting arthritis, you can't even enjoy what you've spent your whole life to build up for the time you can enjoy. Isn't that the way everyone lives in this day and age? It's completely craziness, madness, insanity, according to the Bhagavatam. Therefore, Prahlad Maharaj told his friends, now you're five years old, take the Krishna consciousness now. Once you get locked into this crazy system, your life will be wasted. And then when you finally do get everything you want, you cannot even enjoy it. And at any moment, by powers beyond your control, everything is finished. like the fish. For the first 30 or 40 years of your life, you're just the fish longing to be in the water, longing to finally attain the position you've always wanted. 
And then once you're in the water, it's total anxiety. Everything I want, I have. It's not enough. It is explained that material life is like the sand of the desert. You cannot hold the sand of the desert in your hands. No matter the harder you, tr you squeeze it, the faster it goes through your fingers. And even if you don't squeeze it at all, it will gradually go through your fingers. You cannot hold dry sand. And the, the most crazy thing is you're thinking that that dry sand is water and you're trying to quench your thirst with it. Not only does it only aggravate your thirst, but you can't even keep it. To the self-realized souls, enjoying material life is nothing more, less ludicrous than this. Therefore, you fortunate young men and women, you have taken to the brahmachari life. The materialists think you're crazy. But very frankly, we think that they're crazy. Not only do we think, we know they're crazy. And we have Krishnas and all the Acharyas backing our decision. They have all the politicians and scientists behind their decision. Because it is crazy. Brahmachari is giving up this rat race to try to get ahead in this world. He doesn't care. He's willing to say no to Maya. He's willing to simply give all his time and energy in Krishna's loving service for the purpose of studying the scripture, worshipping the deity, chanting the holy name, and serving the Vaishnavas and the spiritual master. Brahmachari has no other business. He's given up his pride and prestige, which is all simply a grand illusion. He's no longer concerned about his wonderful educational qualifications, which is just a big hoax. He's no longer concerned with money, wealth, home, family. which Prahlad Maharaj says, in essence, is nothing but a deep, dark well where there's not even any water. Simply concerned with Krishna. He's simply concerned with how to be Krishna conscious and how to serve Krishna and how to satisfy Krishna. He has no other ambition. And therefore, a brahmachari who's really living the true brahmachari spirit, he's really without anxiety, he's without fear. There's a saying, when you do not have anything, you have nothing to lose. The whole anxiety of material life is that, we'll, is that we will lose what we have. We're struggling to gain something, and the more we gain, the more we're in anxiety of losing it. 
If you're not struggling to gain anything material, then you have nothing. And if you don't have anything, there's no fear of losing it. So you're liberated. The brahmacharis are sleeping on the hard floor, but they're liberated because they don't have to worry about losing their bed. Huh? The brahmacharis have no money, but they're liberated because they don't have to worry about somebody taking it away or cheating them. People with money are constantly afraid somebody's going to cheat them. Or even amongst their friends, they're always suspicious. Does he want me or does he want my money? A brahmachari never has to think that way. As far as a brahmachari, either he likes me or he doesn't. There's, not, there's no, nothing else to consider. There's no suspicions. And suspicion just creates pain in the heart. Brahmachari has no position. He's the menial servant. As we see in the temple, even Grihastas come around and say, ah, oh, go get me this, do that, go that. Yeah, why not? What do we care? Do it. Get him. The poor guy, he's... The poor people, they're so much attached to power and control. If they don't get it, they're in anxiety. We're not attached to any power and control. Just by being a menial, menial servant to all, we're completely liberated. Huh? We shouldn't be in anxiety, we're free. It's a fact. We don't have a family, therefore we don't have to worry. We don't have to be in anxiety. What is my wife doing? Who is she with? Who is she looking at today? And my children, will they do good in school? Will they be do devotees? Are they taking drugs? Huh? And my parents, uh, my mother and my father and my sisters and my brothers, what do they think of me? Now they want me to go to this horrible wedding. Tomorrow they want me to go to this terrible anniversary party. I have to go, I'm obliged. Brahmachari is not obliged, just forget it. I'm not coming, I'm a brahmachari. Haribo. No anxiety. <laughs> huh? Of course, a grihasta who's detached in the same way is a brahmachari. Srila Prabhupada used to say brahmachari grihastas are grihastas who live in the same spirit as a brahmachari. They don't have anything more than what it takes to fully serve. If a grihasta that's engaged full-time in devotional service and who does, not re who does not take anything more than required, it is the same principle. But to the degree and extent we're looking for this vast, glorious ocean of the atmosphere of material pleasure, there will be fear and anxiety. We have the mentality of a fish. Huh? According to the Bhagavatam, these big, big politicians, these big, big industrialists, these big, big scientists and scholars, they're so proud of their learning, their PhDs, they're, they're conquering over all directions. But from the point of view of 
the brahmacharis of Radhagopinath temple, they have the brains of fish. Huh? <laughs> it's nothing more to be said. They're just living the existence of a fearful, anxiety-ridden fish. So here, Maharaj Nimi is explaining, he does not want to be a fish. He wants to, he doesn't want to even take another material body. And imagine what type of a material body he has. He's not living in Kali Yuga. This story takes place, it is either at the end of Satya Yuga or the beginning of Treta Yuga because it is just a few generations before Lord Ramachandra appeared from his very um, descendants. So therefore you can understand that people's bodies then were living almost a hundred thousand years. And he was the king of such a civilization. That means he was very stout and strong and very healthy and he had great, wonderful subjects, family, wealth, palace, power, everything. And due to the curse of Vashishtamuni, he lost it all within a second. And Vashishtamuni, he was a Brahmin. But in this particular Leela, it appears that he was also attached to particular positioning and particular wealth. And he was cursed to die and he lost it within a second. So for somebody who had attained such great wealth, power, prestige, strength, they want to hold on to the, as long as they possibly can to what they have acquired. Maharaj Nimu is the king of the world. You see how the elections, just one little country, how people are just, just giving their lives to become the controller of a little country, whether it's India, you see the elections, they're just fighting like cats and dogs, just running all around trying to get votes. In America, same thing. In the Soviet Union, same thing. They're just... just trying anything to just get that power and after they have the power anything to not let go of it and that's for what little country Maharaj Nimi was the king of the world he had all the power at his hands and he had loyal subjects who trusted him and who he could trust and then he died within a second and he lost it all Somebody would be thinking, no, no, death is cruel. It's taking everything away. But Maharaj Nimi, the demigods, brought him back to life and said, here, take it all back, be the king. He said, I don't want it. Death is wonderful. Why? Why? Death is wonderful because I'd no longer have to suffer another material body in, this, in, in, the, in the great ocean of this great kingdom of mine. I'm not attached in the slightest. It's all miserable. It's all anxiety. I simply want to have my original spiritual body with Krishna. That's all. 
Brahmachari life means simply living for the purpose of that spiritual body. Actually, if you're detached from this material world and you're always attached to Krishna, you already have a spiritual body. So Maharaj Nimi, he was only concerned with pleasing Krishna. He had no attachment. And in the next verse that we will read tomorrow, we find how the demigods, they're so happy to, they're so amazed at Maharaj Nimi's detachment and his pure devotional service that they all agree let Maharaj Nimi live without a material body. Let him live in a spiritual body as a personal associate of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And according to his desire, let him be manifest or unmanifest to common materially embodied people. This is the goal of life. Nabi. What is that verse? Uh, Prahlad Maharaja said that the only real goal of life is Vishnu. There is nothing else to live for, no one else to live for. Therefore, we should always keep our goal set, established in one direction, in one place, in devotion to Krishna. We should not allow any of the propaganda of this world, wherever it's coming from, to divert us from the only one true goal, which is Vishnu. Lord Jesus Christ said, if you're following me, you have to walk forward constantly and keep your eyes forward looking at me. I'm leading the way. He said, if you look back to what you have left behind for even a moment, I'll be gone. You will not find me again. We are following our spiritual master. We are following the footprints of the great Acharyas. They are leading the way. We have to keep our mind fixed on them. We should not look to the sides at what everybody else is doing. And we should not look back to what we have left behind. We have to keep looking forward. If we always keep our mind fixed at their lotus feet and follow their footprints, we are on the sure, irreversible path back to Godhood. But if we start doubting and questioning and looking back and looking to the sides, what the world has to offer, then we lose everything. Because it's a straight and narrow path. Is there any questions? Another was what you're saying is I am not a, an extremely advanced devotee. I am not a pure devotee. I am not a self-realized soul. For these feelings to come from the core of your heart, as you're saying, is a very advanced platform. <clears throat> it's 
like saying, I'm not well enough to take the medicine. Hmm? The medicine will make you well by practicing these principles of Krishna consciousness, which means hearing regularly about the nature of the material world and hearing regularly about the glory and the mercy of Krishna and chanting his name and associating with devotees, gradually these realizations start going deeper and deeper and deeper toward the core of our heart. At the beginning when we hear the Bhagavatam, it only superficially influences our, our grossest, most external mind and intelligence. And as we hear more and more and more in the association of devotees and render service on the basis of we hear, those, those understandings and realizations grow deeper and deeper and deeper gradually until they touch the core of your heart. And when they touch the core of your heart, you'll surrender utterly. Huh? Just like the Avanti Brahman. The Avanti Brahman, when the miseries of material, when the understandings of the stark reality of material nature touched the core of his heart, he surrendered utterly in a moment. Huh? So therefore, this, this understanding of the truth of material life, simultaneous with the understanding of the, mercy, the nature of God's mercy and the mercy of his devotees, these two principles of knowledge must be cultivated simultaneously. And then the roots grow deeper and deeper and deeper. And then we become stronger and stronger and stronger in our convictions of Krishna consciousness. And we become more fixed, nishta, with faith that there's nothing but Krishna consciousness worth living for. When you come to the realization, and this realization takes time, it takes practice, it takes purification, that there's nothing else to live for except Krishna. When you're really convinced of that, then you'll surrender. But now we, we hear it, we superficially believe it, but we're not really convinced because we're still struggling and straining and making so many endeavors for other things. Well, therefore, by regularly by regularly hearing the Bhagavatam, by regularly serving the great souls, by regularly chanting the holy name, Gradually, this conviction, this realization awakens within your heart to, your, to the core of the heart. You see, what you're saying, that I don't have that really deep from the core of the heart conviction and feeling and realization that there's nothing worth striving for in this world. That state is just before the realization of love of God. They are both very high platforms. Huh? But if you know that that's what you want, the most important thing is not that you don't, is not whether you have it or not. The most important thing in our position is, is that what we want? Do we want that realization? 
was just a prerequisite for surrendering to Krishna and loving him in pure devotion. If that's what we want, then Rupa Goswami says you have to be willing to do anything or give anything for that. Huh? Accept whatever's favorable to cultivate that and reject whatever's unfavorable. And then it will be yours. That is Krishna's guarantee. Any other questions? Yes, as we were explaining yesterday, of the twelve Mahajans, most of them are Grihastas. Who are the twelve Maharajans? Shukadev Goswami is a Brahmachari. Narada Muni is a Brahmachari. The Kumaras are Brahmacharis. Bhishmadev is a Brahmachari. And then there's Swayambhuvamanu who is Grihasta, Brahma is a Grihasta, Shiva is a Grihasta, Yamaraj is a Grihasta, Jan King Janaka is a Grihasta, Bali Maharaj is a Grihasta. Um, Prahlad is a Grihasta. Lord Kapiladev, he was a Brahmachari. Huh? So, so of them, about half of them are Grihastas and half of them are Brahmacharis. And these are the highest, most realized authorities. Why did, why did Krishna arrange it that way? Either way, you can be perfect. But if you notice in the lives of these great Grihastas, if you want to be a Brahmachari, you have to follow in the footsteps of the Mahajans who are in the renounced order of life. And if you want to be a Grihastra, you have to follow in the footsteps of these Mahajans who are Grihastas. Many of them were great kings, most of them were kings. But they, but they considered nothing to be their own. They considered their children not to be their own, but, to, but everything is the property of Krishna. They were simply taking care on behalf of Krishna. Their only goal for their children is that their children be Krishna conscious. Their only goal for their home is that their home be a beautiful temple for Krishna. Their only goal for their job, their, their employment, is that it can be used in the Krishna's loving service. Krishna was the center, the purpose of everything they did in the Grihastha Ashram. And that is not different than being a Brahmachari. Huh? They weren't attached to any separate interests outside of devotional service. Yes, it is not only possible, but it is guaranteed if you simply follow that procedure given by the great souls and follow in their footsteps. Hmm? Test. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, Grihe thako venai thako sadahari bole thako, sukeduke bole nako, that whether you are a Grihastha or whether you are a Brahmachari or whether you are a sannyasi doesn't matter. Take shelter of the holy name and you'll be free from all the happiness and distress of this world. <laughs> 